Hey guys, it's me, Mark. The guy who picked Face Off, the one who picked the, that thing you do, Clerks Before Sunrise. I'm the indie romance guys. I, I like the action big and my dialogue snappy. I'm, I'm not the Spielberg guy, that's Cody. But I'm the first pick of 1998 and it happens to contain my, pers my personal favorite Spielberg. Am I supposed to let that pass so Cody can take it? Am I supposed to pick a, let me see here, a Bug's Life? <laughs> no. I picked what is hands down the best movie of the year, and honestly I don't see much of an argument otherwise. It's the defining depiction of one of the most important pieces of the 20th century. It spawned a huge crop of video games and movies that completely copied its style. It's, in my opinion, the high watermark of the best director of a whole generation, and the fact that it didn't win the Academy Award is honestly crazy to me, but I, I guess Shakespeare in Love is the best thing ever made? Um, anyway, I, I'm sorry, Cody, I, I picked Saving Private Ryan. It's like finding a needle on a stack of needles. This is Best Pictures, the podcast where we pick our favorite movies for every year we've been alive. I'm Cody Lunsford, and I'm joined, as always, by... I'm Mark Wallington, and I got a bad feeling about this one. And I'm Chad Oliver, and when was the last time you felt good about anything? Did you? Did we pick Star Wars for this year? Uh, <laughs> no, but uh, Stevie Spielberg got uh, some influence from his pal George Lucas. Uh, never. Don't um, say that name too loudly. He might show up. <laughs> he might show up. Um, oh, 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 is that a knock on? No, no, it's not. I forgot his voice. Mark was just tapping his foot. Um. um <laughs> This is Best Pictures. The way this show works is for every year we've been alive, uh, Mark, Chet, and I each spend an episode picking our favorite movie of that year. Then we talk about what won the Oscar. Then we talk about what won the Razzie. This year, Mark picked Saving Private Ryan. Mm -hmm. um, but before we talk about that, we're going to talk about what we saw at the minute, the Megaplex. Mark, what'd you see? Um, so I guess I'll go first, man. I watched First Man. <laughs> Um, Cody, yes. thank you for setting me up for that one. Yes! Um, it was a small joke for man, but a giant joke for mankind. Mark. Canceled. The podcast is canceled. No, the, mar the podcast over. hasn't really started until, what is this, like episode 52? 2000, uh, I don't know. Yeah, With, like the 25. podcast has officially started now. I think we finally came into our element here with that. Thank one. you. It it just took that one that one horrible joke and followed by just a, a worse joke. Um, yeah, I watched First Man, the the Big Moon movie. Mm -hmm. How was it? It was. Um, it, so the whole idea of the movie is that um, Neil Armstrong like put all of his emotions aside so that he could do this thing. And it's weird to watch a movie about a guy who like doesn't have emotions for a while. It it I mean the the movie kind of feels emotionless. Right, which like is a, my big problem with that. I understand what they were going for and clearly they were successful in it, but that's why I like could not grab hold of it like at all. Yeah, I I feel like we had the same reaction of like, oh wow, this is like masterful masterful storytelling and he yep. completely like he he gets the reaction he wants out of me. Um, I just don't like that reaction. <laughs> and not not even in like a horror movie, I'm scared kind of way. In more of like a, oh, I'm like, I, 
I think I'm sad, but can't tell kind of way. <laughs> yes, exactly. So I thought Mark loved this movie because he gave it four stars. And with hey, Mark... What did you give it, Cody? I, I gave it four stars. But the thing uh-huh. is, you give everything four stars, even things <laughs> you love. You like come in and you're like, it's the best movie I've ever seen. I and it's four give, stars. I and so do, I'm like... Don't give enough things four and a half stars. That's true. Um, except fucking Citizen Kane because you're just an asshole. <laughs> It's too long. <laughs> couldn't couldn't get that half star <laughs> for Citizen what, Kane. What what would have bumped up Citizen Kane to five stars for you, Mark? <laughs> like fifteen minutes shorter. Uh, yeah, I mean, true. Um, Ninety minutes. Talking to Cody here. I mean, he knows a thing or two about cutting movies. Um. Yeah. Okay. So I our four stars mean the same thing then, and they don't always. Yeah. But in this case, they do. Where it's masterful. It's very well made. Mm. It is a stunning achievement, but like there's a moment where you definitely are supposed to care. And I didn't. Like I understand understood conceptually that it was sad and it was a big moment, but it just didn't necessarily work for me. It works for some people. My fiance sobbed at the end of it and it just did nothing for me. So how is that uh, lunar sequence I'm hearing so much about? I haven't seen it yet, but I mean, it's the fucking moon. Yeah, <laughs> it's like cool. we've we filmed it once already. <laughs> no, on I, a soundstage, really, but this is I the first time anyone's really filmed on the moon. Except, no, was it? Yeah, is that how this was filmed? Yeah, I they, did not know. They that. they took the film crew up to the moon. Okay, fuck yeah. off. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> for a second you got me because I was like, oh, maybe they sent like a camera <laughs> in space and like filmed actual like moon. But that doesn't really make sense. I don't know. You had me for a second. (laughs) Sorry. Um. I didn't mean to. I thought I was outlandish enough that it was like understandably. We filmed it in the 60s. On a soundstage. (laughs) But but in 2018, like shooting a camera into space and filming the moon doesn't seem that crazy to me. But I guess maybe it is. I I mean, they're they're shooting Teslas up there. They can shoot an IMAX camera up there, too. Did you you miss the whole part of the movie where they were talking about how hard it is to get to the moon? Yeah, a long time ago. <laughs> what do you in think the budget for this movie was? Nice. Nice. Do you know um, how long it's been since we went to the moon? Sent <laughs> anything to the moon? It's been a while. Um, it's been a long... I was going to make an Elton John joke, and I realized it wasn't very good, so never mind. Gonna be a long, long time. <laughs> yeah. Someone um, touched my takes me there. Mars ain't no place I don't know. to raise a kid. Hey, fact, Rocket Man. it's cold as hell. Dumb Rocket song. Rocket Man looks really good, right? Rocket Man? It does. It the movie good. looks good. Anyway, Dumb song. You know, the, the second trailer for Bohemian Rhapsody does not look bad. Did the first trailer look bad to, to you? <laughs> yeah. Oh, interesting. I just thought it looked awesome from the get-go. I don't think it's going to be a good movie. Oh, no, neither do I. Second uh, trailer looks all right. But jams, think, though. Jam, sure, but they're pre-existing jams. I also think Rami Malek's going to be great in it. I just don't yeah. think the movie's going to be that good. Anyway. Yeah, I mean, if a, if a movie's going to give me jams, I want them to be new jams. Cody, what have you seen recently? Oh, fuck. Whoa. Oh, stars. No, give this one to Chad. <laughs> Throw it to Chad. <laughs> Throw this one to me. Whoa, no, no, wait. I, Chad wants to talk about the other one. I forgot which one. I know. One's mar- yeah, I was, yeah, Chad has I was doing a good okay, job Star hosting. is born. Star is born. It's very good. <laughs> a star was born. Um, they, You know they have the number one album right now? Hell That's yeah. some, like, fuck you money. That's like, we <laughs> yeah. made a great movie. We and made a movie possibly, for grownups that is making so much money. Nicki Minaj didn't even have a number one album this year. Better yeah, exactly. album than movie? No, they're both great. No, shut up. No, they're <laughs> both incredible. Punch you in the dick. Uh, it's a great I would album, say better though. movie than album. 
I like the movie better than the album also, but that's because the there's some songs that just don't work for me. I like yeah. the country Too rock. Many songs. I understand that it's good, but it's just not necessarily for me. Um, oh, it's very for me. And so I'm is this movie. Aware. Um, yeah, the movie's real good. Bradley Cooper, he directs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he also He directs stars. good. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, I'll I'll be interested to see what the follow up is. You know, like what's the next movie he does? Mm-hmm. Um, but I ho- this was I hope very it's, good. Uh, Bumblebee too. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what movie he could do that I would think would be really funny for Just, him to do. But if, if it was like a Rocket Raccoon standalone movie, what if they don't let Tim Story do the? Um, Tom and Jerry movie they announced today, <laughs> the live action <laughs> hybrid, and then they just hire Bradley Cooper to <laughs> direct Tom and Jerry. Weird. I just saw it announced he's directing Toy Story four. <laughs> even though it's, even though it's, it's essentially out in six created, <laughs> yeah. At this point, no. The they fired the director on set and hired a replacement, Clint Eastwood style. <laughs> a second time. It's gonna be ruined in the reshoots. This one. I'm sorry. I said Clint Eastwood style. I meant Ron Howard. Please forgive me. Um, well, yeah, Clint Eastwood, Eastwood was originally supposed to direct this movie, so maybe that's what you were thinking of. Um, he wasn't. <laughs> well, I was trying to uh, make you sound be real smart. with you. <laughs> don't don't love Clint Eastwood, but his new movie looks pretty good. The Mule. Mm. No. Mm. <laughs> Intense trailer, right? It looks pretty good. I thought. Yeah. You guys don't think? Fifteen seventy tra- to to Paris. Again, yeah, I'm but gonna need, I'm gonna need a second for Clinty. Okay, see, I didn't he, he see, I didn't see that movies. one, but. I don't, and I'm not the biggest Eastwood fan, but I just I thought the trailer for the new movie looked good. He made Million Dollar Baby, which is pretty good, and yep. he did Sully, which is good. Um, he did do Sully, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. that was that was him. Yeah. yeah. Um, I get I get him and Ron Howard mixed up because they both could have directed Sully, and they mm-hmm. both could have directed whatever that. Oh, race didn't car Clint movie Eastwood is? do the Jersey yes. Boys? Yes, he did. He yes. did. That was not It was fine. It was a good movie. <laughs> it was okay. Um, speaking jams. of musicals and jams, right. Star is Born. It's very good. It made me cry. Um, yeah, I don't know really what to say about it. It's been yeah. out for long enough now that I feel like everything mm-hmm. has been said about it. I mean, don't uh, go into like spoilers of like plot things, but like, no, I mean, um, basically for me, it just hit me on like the whole spectrum of emotions. It made me very happy. It made me very sad at different points. It's kind mm-hmm. of a magical movie in a lot of ways, if yeah. that makes sense. Like, you really get transported to their story. I mean, it's mm-hmm. my number one movie of the year currently, but and that shit changes around all the time. Right. Um, I think, for for me, I'd say that the first half worked better than the second half, but that's just because the first half is, like, just pure magic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and also the, the second f- half is, it's a little bit slower, it's paced a little bit weirdly, and it's sad as fuck. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's good. It's very good. Um, yeah. I'm trying to think if there's anything else I have to say about it, and I don't think there is, which means I'm going to turn it over to Chad. Chad, have you had any good times at the movies recently? Um, I'm trying to think. I did have some bad times at oh, the I'm sorry to El hear Royale. About that. Oh, uh, boycotting this show. <laughs> it was very good. Um, I had A Star is Born as my number one movie until yesterday when I saw this movie, and uh, it took the spot. It's a very, like, Tarantino-esque movie. Like, it's very obviously paying homage to um, Tarantino in a lot of ways. 
but yeah, it's just like this awesome thrill ride that like constantly is throwing like surprises at you. The way this mystery is sort of unfolding is like really interesting and the characters are all great and all performed excellently. Uh, it's shot beautifully. Um, it's just an awesome, awesome movie. I have a prediction. What's that? Okay. That in the future, I will much rather watch this movie than literally any of Tarantino's movies. Uh, yeah. So you're thinking like in the year 2030, you're going back yeah, to watch I would a movie rather watch genre. bad to- bad times. I think. Yeah, I mean, the movies like Pulp Fiction, like they'll, you'll never, I'll never really grow tired of that. In a way, like I mean, it's it's a classic, and it was like it sort of laid the precedent so that this movie could exist. Um, yeah, yes, yeah, 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 yeah But, yeah. like, yeah, I mean, if you're talking about, like, which one would I rather watch if you had both in front of me in the year 2030, maybe this one, maybe Pulp. I think it, I, don't know. I think it is because similar to how, so it's directed by Drew Goddard, mm-hmm. who also directed Cabin in the Woods, um, very similar to that movie in how it's kind of a loose deconstruction, but Cabin in the Woods is more so an obvious deconstruction. This one's a bit more vague in its deconstruction, but mm-hmm. at the same time doing the genre really fucking well, which is what both really of the movies do. Really well. And mm-hmm. that's what I think this does. I mean, it's your 70s kind of like vignette thriller and... Dude, it works. It's so good yeah. from top to bottom. Mm-hmm. There's it's no like super- weird foot shots. There's no <laughs> inwards. <laughs> There's. Um, it's just, and it's like I don't know. Tarantino does make good movies. His movies yeah. are constantly obsessed with how smart they are, and I never felt that in this movie. It just was like a confident, here's a good movie, just take it, and it's not yeah. wallowing in its own intelligence. There's no. also a, a, a part where one of the characters like calls out another character for just like liking to hear themselves talk, and they're like, you're just like spouting bullshit that you pretend to believe in, and I was like, yeah, he's a fucking Tarantino character. Yeah, no, <laughs> um, exactly. It, it's like, it at times it feels like a direct call out of, of someone like the the macho, you know, pulpy action movies. Well, that particular um, scene you're talking about, Mark, believe it or not, is a reference to politics um, because Drew Goddard wrote this movie a week after the election and has said yeah. that in interviews. I mean, and that's very much what that scene is kind of referencing to. Is things can reference more than one thing. No, no, no. I know. I wasn't yeah. saying you yeah. were wrong. I was just saying like that's an added element well, of it is yeah. he wrote mm-hmm. it immediately after and like oh, kind of. One, one particular plot point just feels very like uh, <laughs> about current political climate. The, Which one? The, the thing that gets destroyed in the end. That might be too much of a spoiler. No, it's fine. Um, may- maybe, but also like that is also kind of timeless. <laughs> because that yes. was happening um, yeah. in that era. Yeah. No, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's just we have a specific instance of that kind of thing that we would very much like to find uh, mm-hmm, today. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, so it's fucking good. The cast is stellar. Like truly some of the best acting that I've seen. Uh, Jeff Bridges just like blew me away. So good, and he's probably ranked last if we were ranking the actors <laughs> really? for me. Uh, like, he's probably, truly. He's probably my number one, but everyone's solid. Nope. I uh, Like, my number one is probably Cynthia yeah. Ervo. Then Lewis Pullman's probably second. Was then he, it's Chris um, Hemsworth. Miles? Then it's Dakota Johnson. Uh, see, Hemsworth think... is probably my last place. 
Oh, he was, no. He was great. Probably my... But he might have been a little miscast. I don't know. No, he. No. I thought he was perfect. Like okay, that was one of the uh, Chris Hemsworth he, is truly such a great actor, and oh, you don't always is. realize it. Like no, I thought he was perfect. Um, yeah, I also no, he was great. And maybe I'm wrong. Like I guess I was thinking it, basically going into the movie. Like part of the selling point for the movie seems to be a little bit his sex appeal. Like he's got his shirt open and he's like the muscular guy. But like then again, like he does need to be kind of an appealing character to be the yeah, kind of exactly. person that he is. So maybe he's yeah. perfect, but something about that felt weird to me in the moment watching the movie. I think his, like he, when he gets a bit chilling, I mm-hmm. think he does perfectly and it feels, I don't know. Well, I guess my question would be like, have you seen Hemsworth in anything other than the Marvel movies? Yeah. I mean, I saw, I mean, well, Cabin in the Woods. Um, yeah. Where he plays then... like a real, fratty like uh football dude yeah there's something else i saw him in ghostbusters I mean, yeah i saw in, the ghostbusters he, movie he kind of like this honestly reminds me of a mixture of his ghostbusters character and also like thor ragnarok thor because when when thor started he was very kind of like uninteresting mm-hmm. um that's my thor one take but by thor ragnarok he has a lot of personality um and I think Chris Hensworth kind of just like found a way to give him like a little bit of personality and he started to figure out, you know, how to bring himself to roles. Yeah. Also Dakota Johnson rules. She does. So oh my gosh. Like I was real worried that it was going to be like, you know, uh, after Kristen Stewart did Twilight, there was such a long gap before she was started to take seriously, even mm-hmm. though she was always a great actress. That gap is much shorter for Dakota Jan- Johnson, thankfully. thankfully. Yeah, cause, um, cause she because she is so people, like, She's so good. Yeah, people were like, Fifty Shades of Grey, like, she must suck. And mm-hmm. it's like, nah, the writing's pretty bad. <laughs> right. She's so good in this. Mm-hmm. Um, You'll wait for Suspiria. Is she real good in that? Yeah. Yeah. Can't wait. Um, it's crazy. Uh, John Hamm is also in this. Oh, um, fuck. Yeah, yeah John Hamm's so also real good. <laughs> His accent bothered me at first, but I got over it. Yeah. Well, Dakota Johnson and was supposedly somebody from Alabama and as somebody who lives in Alabama. <laughs> I was like, mm, I don't know, mm-hmm. honey. I don't know. I'm not going to do but... that. <laughs> but, I mean, it was still heard, good. You've heard people I mean, it's, talk like it's, that, right? It's, it's over the top and yeah. supposed to be, so it yeah. didn't bother me much. Every character is, like, over the top. And every character in the movie I go went back and forth on constantly except for maybe the the singer except for cynthia except yeah. cynthia she um, she was kind of like the, the moral center of the movie right she was a solid rock you could sort of like latch on to and like say i know i can trust her but everyone else went back and forth like i trust right. them completely i don't know what's up with them they seem bad like back right. and forth back and forth uh well and she and so she's one of the titular widows in the upcoming widows too so she's having she? a hell of a debut Good year. year yeah yeah she, uh, she comes from, she she um comes from Broadway, so that's where she kind of got her start. I don't think she has the balls to pull it off. Well, that's Viola Davis, but <laughs> I know, I know. But <laughs> oh, but you're saying like <laughs> that's the one quote you can remember yeah, from, from Widows. Widows. <laughs> other than like our husband's died, right? <laughs> <laughs> Whatever the dead. other lines are. Bang, bang, I'm shooting guns. And then, I mean, it's not a line, but then Daniel Kaluuya does a weird wave thing. Oh, yeah, like, at the funeral. God, that movie's going to rule. Anyway, let's talk about I love, the movie. I love we've... the point where they're like, what are we, some sort of <laughs> widows? 
some kind of <laughs> Hey, remember when Viola Davis is in fucking Suicide Squad? <laughs> I did. She I says, actually uh, did. She says, now that Superman is dead, these are the only guys who have the balls to pull it off. <laughs> she says, um, hey, uh, Slipknot, <laughs> go fucking climb a rope. Remember how his powers are rope? <laughs> anyway, fuck Suicide Squad. His powers are rope. Harley Quinn's powers are... <laughs> Girl. She's like, she's Unfortunately, that is appeal. her power. Yeah, yeah uh, exactly. Then Joker's, Joker's twist is, yeah. is witch girl. Witch girl. Um, witch girl? Hey, hey, everybody on the internet's like, Suicide Squad 2 is going to be good now. It, nah, dude. Uh, nah. Nah, fam. I mean, nah, fam. James Gunn did a great job with Guardians, but... But that doesn't mean every movie he's going to make is good, and Suicide Squad, y'all. It's, like, my current stance is that every DC movie that doesn't have a trailer is not happening until proven otherwise. You know right. what? That's not a bad way to handle it. Because I, like, I still don't think the Venom movie is happening. <laughs> and you saw it. <laughs> I saw it. I think it's a fan film. I don't think it's real. But like, truly, that's the smartest way, Mark, because they've announced so many DC movies, and none of them are happening. But what is happening is a fucking Todd Phillips Joaquin Phoenix Joker movie that got announced like two weeks ago, and now they're shooting it. Here's here's the DC movies that are definitely happening: Aquaman, Flash, Wonder Woman two. Is is Flash? Flash is not happening. You meant Shazam. Shazam. I'm sorry. Yeah. Wonder Woman. Shazam. Um, sorry, Aquaman, Shazam, Wonder Woman has like an eighty percent chance right now. It's pretty mm, good. I think it's eighty four percent chance. Yeah, nineteen eighty four percent chance. Um, <laughs> and then um, Joker. Th- that Joker movie is probably at like a fifty right now. It's a <laughs> right. coin flip whether or not they're going to fix that. Right. Joker or Joker and Harley. Joker, Joker and Harley is like a twenty five. Okay, <laughs> right. That right. shit ain't going to happen. <laughs> um. All right. Let, let's let's talk about. Um, the movie we gathered here to talk about. Maybe it's a WB movie. Maybe that's the transition. I don't know off the top of my head. Um, it is a Paramount and DreamWorks, DreamWorks. co-production. I knew it was DreamWorks because of Stevie. Um, okay, so this is a Steven Spielberg movie. We've talked about him twice before. I did not pick this movie. Mark did. Mark, why did you yeah, pick they, this movie? I heard the monologue. I um, I picked this movie because it's very, very good. Uh-huh. <laughs> you yeah, want to kind of stop there. <laughs> Have you um, seen it before? Uh, yeah, I, I was um I was telling Chad earlier I I hadn't seen this movie until last year. I was someone like was like, "Hey, we should So I I write for Talk Film Society and they wanted a series of like comparisons between last year's best picture nominees with like other best picture nominees. So I was like, "Oh, I can write about Dunkirk and Saving Private Ryan." Like Dunkirk's probably way better, but I can watch Saving Private Ryan and write a comparison piece. And I watched them both, and they're both really good. They're both really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, I think I land on more that I like Dunkirk more, but we'll get into that towards the end. Interesting. Because um, Spielberg is your boy. Yeah, but war movies are not my boy. Um, yeah. And that's kind of what it comes down to. Dunkirk is... Such a weird, yeah, it feels stylistic less movie, like a war movie. Yeah, it's it's. I think part of that is because for a long time, war movies, especially World War Two movies, looked and felt like Saving Private Ryan. Yeah, no, they True. did. They were and just d- Saving Private Ryan knockoffs, and, and before that, they were like Bridge on the River Kwai knockoffs, yeah, or something like that, um, um, or like Dirty Dirty Dozen kind of things. Yeah, um, um, 
I think it's also because Dunkirk's kind of a thriller movie set mm-hmm. against war more than just a straight up war movie. I don't know. Yeah, like it there, feels to be more different. about survival than about like killing the enemy. Uh, yeah. yeah. Which is, a dis- I guess, the main distinction for most war movies. And this right. movie kind of feels like that sometimes, but it's still... Yeah. So yeah. The, the piece that I wrote ended up being like, Dunkirk is about how at the end of a war you feel so discouraged and the army like doesn't care and like humans have to care for each other. And that's why like mm. at the end, the, the Navy doesn't do shit for its soldiers. Like the civilians have to right. come save their own. Right. Whereas well, and in, then the in, very... Saving Private, sorry, Saving Private Ryan is kind of the same thing where it's like, these people are not in this war to like save Europe. They're in this war to like go home. And they're like, the army also doesn't necessarily care about saving individual people as much as it, it cares about good optics. Well, but the people, the people who are fighting care. Yeah. And I think another difference is saving private Ryan, I think kind of ends with a thesis statement that like it was worth it. And Dunkirk is like, I don't know, you know, like yeah, exactly. Cause Dunkirk literally ends with them getting a report from like Winston Churchill was like, this was yep. a failure. Nothing good happened out of this and survivors are reading that, you know? So mm-hmm. I don't know. It's just two different approaches, but mm-hmm. we're not here to talk about Dunkirk. We're here to talk no. about saving private Ryan. So let's get into the plot. Um, so a retired veteran goes to a cemetery and stops and gets emotional when he reaches a particular grave marker. We then transition to Captain Miller, played by Tom Hanks. We've seen him <coughs> twice before. Um, landing on Omaha Beach during the Normandy invasion. We get an intense battle scene and a lot of people die, including a soldier named Ryan. So I'm mm-hmm. sure you boys want to talk about this scene. It's very easy to summarize, but there's a yeah. lot going on here. So so much going on. It's just a really difficult to watch and violent scene. Um, I watched this movie. It was one of the first R-rated movies I saw. Mm-hmm. Um, for whatever reason, my parents thought that this one would be fine. I guess because there's no sex in it, but there's lots of violence. Um, mm-hmm. Is essentially the reasoning why, like most kids get to see their first R-rated movie is no sex. <laughs> yeah, it's it's the American model of like, right. well, show people being blown to bits, but if we see boobs, no thanks. Right. Um, and yeah, I remember the first time seeing this, I was I was really young and just uh, unable to like w- watch the whole scene because it is just mm-hmm. so horrifying and violent and difficult to get through. I don't know when the first time I saw this movie was, but I watched it probably about three years ago or so at my fiance's, like at her parents' house. Mm-hmm. And her dad has a home theater system. He's very like a music guy. So yeah. he has like the sound set up in a very particular way. And we watched this movie to highlight the sound. Um, And I'm looking because I'm realizing I may have owned this on DVD and not realized it. Anyway. um, (laughs) Did did you rent it and then? (laughs) No, I didn't rent it. I watched Uh, it like on fucking stars or whatever. But but I'm trying to remember like why he would have been like, let's watch this. Maybe he he owns it. I don't know. He's a dad. Yeah, he probably owns it. But so he just blasted it and it just was coming through the sound and the sound design like in the whole thing. But very much that first scene is so good. Um, again, similar to what we were talking about with Dunkirk, but mm-hmm. um, the 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 sound is just so good, and it's just like loud and like in your face and yeah. chaotic and stuff. And it there's just no, like it, there's no score, there's no like cheesy music or anything. It's just all war sounds. It's well, just not the in chaos this part. Of, in, in the in the D Day part, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's yeah. what I'm saying. There isn't. 
Yeah, okay, there's none in this part is what you're saying. Right, okay. Yeah, there's a couple times where was, the music swell. Like, the music's very good throughout yeah, most yeah, of it, yeah. but there's a couple times where it, like, swells, and it's like, ah, that's some cheesy, like, mm-hmm. late 90s music. But yeah, whatever, it's sure. fine. Sure, but, but yeah, I meant specifically in the D-Day sequence right, where they're yeah. storming the beaches. It's just purely gunfire, footsteps, uh, you know, skulls breaking open, whatever. Yeah. How much you want to bet there's like a YouTube like compilation edit where like fucking Eminem's to like collapse plays over <laughs> oh the footage no. or something. You no, know there Lincoln is. Park. The thing is, you know there is. Because <laughs> the internet's done. I've got to look for and, it. And then it, at the end it says, <laughs> at the end it says, love you, grandpa, because <laughs> like. <laughs> Some some kid's dad or granddad was a World War II vet, and they got real sad when he died and made this first funeral. Till I collapse. Yeah. Um, anyway, oh, um, no. I was going to say it that, was like, a suggested search. No. So there's, come on. There is war movies. Till I collapse. It's a video uh, on YouTube. It's five minutes long, and the uh, icon the thumbnail is from this scene in Saving Private Ryan. I literally, it's, I swear to you, I didn't look this up. I swear to you. I, I just pulled well, it out of my ass. I'm going to have to remember this and post it in the Facebook group. <laughs> yes. Really I'll, I'll write that down. Yeah. Um, holy shit. Uh, anyway, the internet's dumb. What were you saying, Mark? I was going to, so for when we were talking about um, uh, Schindler's list, we mentioned, the fact that like it was shot kind of docu- documentary style mm-hmm. where like it wouldn't necessarily follow the characters the whole time it would kind of show like just kind of what was going on in general and mm-hmm. this feels a little bit like that where you yeah. know especially in the beginning you don't really know what characters you're following yet it's just showing everyone just right. being obliterated that's true um, you don't really know who you're supposed to follow until it's tom hanks and then you're like oh well that's tom hanks but right. you don't yes. know the rest of his crew and right. all of that stuff yet. Well, and and, and people, part of that is because most of his crew dies. Yeah, people he's interacting with are constantly getting shot in the head. And so, like, you think, like, oh, maybe this person he's helping carry across the beach is important. And then it's like, oh, whoops, he's dead now. So I guess not. Right. But I they're think also just like, they're also just, like, shots of, like, a dude whose arm got shot off just walking around yeah. the beach trying to find yeah. his arm, which yeah. is just, like, such a brutal scene. Yeah, I th- I think though his crew that we see in the rest of the movie, mm-hmm. I think they're all there except yeah. for the ones who like yeah. join up later. Up, um, but I think they're all there, there at points. Else. Yeah, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, that was something some- I noticed for the first time on this watch through. Is like I didn't even really. I was recognizing people like, oh, that's the sniper. Oh, that's uh, Giovanni Rubici. Uh, yeah, Vin Diesel's where it <laughs> came out Diesel, to me because I'm yeah. like, ah, <laughs> yeah. Vinny. My oh, boy. Vin Diesel's here. Gotcha. Um, <laughs> it doesn't really blend in very well. No, not really. No. Um, so one weird thing I noticed in this scene, though, which obviously not the point of the scene, but I was being a good boy and taking notes, and like I looked down, and so – when I see Tom Hanks, obviously I envision Tom Hanks, uh, the, all his like roles, et cetera, et cetera. When I look down and I just hear Tom Hanks in my head, I picture Woody, the oh, cowboy. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. I didn't know no, that that was normal, but I was like, no, I don't envision Tom Hanks, the actor who I've seen in a million things. I envision yeah, Woody, yeah. the cowboy. No, that's absolutely <laughs> the first time I watched this movie. Like I said, I watched it at a really young age. So I'd seen the Toy Story movies, right. the first two pretty recently you know and Mm -hmm. so like that was who tom hanks was to me so watching it i was just like 
this man sounds like Woody the whole time. Like, yeah, I, I remember I, thinking that through this movie and Castaway I, too. When I right, because those Cast are probably our first two uh, Tom Hanks movies. Nothing you do. <laughs> yeah, nothing you <laughs> nothing do for you Mark. Do. Um, I uh, I don't know if there's many other actors where that's the case. Where I just that you think of Woody specifically. <laughs> no, no. I, I mean, honestly, it's, Tim Allen is the Tim other Allen one. was yeah. what I was going to say. It's those two for mm-hmm. me, and then that's kind of the rest of them. I'm like, no, I know the the actors. Right. right. Um, because John Goodman, I just see John Goodman. I don't see Sully. Mm-hmm. But also, he's been a million different yeah. animated he characters, was, uh, and I Pasha wonder if that in the Emperor's yeah. New Groove, and he's in Princess and the Frog. So I wonder if that like is what sways it. Um, Could be, and you know, because they've only had one voice acting. Well. Mm-hmm. There is the Polar Express, but we, we don't have to pretend like that <laughs> That's exists. Right. Not and the Shaggy just voice dog. Acting it's it's not Tim just Allen. voice acting. You're right, Mark. It's it's the motion capture stuff. Hey, there's a weird uh, subculture of people who think the Polar Express is a great movie. It's real weird That's to me because it fucking sucks. But like elementary schools watch it every single year. Ugh, that gives me chills to think about. Just I a hate it. Group of children watching that nightmare of a film it's a horror film (laughs) um anyway so tom hanks we love him he's woody the cowboy (laughs) um but in this you know the thing is he's a great actor Mm -hmm. like from top to bottom he's Um, great in this movie my fiance started crying the other day because I showed her a picture of Tom Hanks dressed as Mr. Rogers for the Mr. Rogers movie. <laughs> and she just so was like, sweet. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So the army realizes that three of the four Ryan brothers have died. So a general orders Ryan home. Uh, he gets this information because Brian Cranston tells him, um, right. in one of the many, like, Oh, that person yeah. kind of roles. Like Ted before yes, they were famous. Another one later i missed ted danson i saw him in the credits but i guess i just wasn't like uh, fully paying attention I'll, i also miss nathan fillion like nathan fillion is the one that got me he's yeah. he's the he's the other ryan he, right he but, and ted danson are in the same scene together ted danson is like his captain gotcha yeah. i must have been writing notes at that point or whatever because yeah. then i looked well, later and it was like oh ted danson I I like knew to look for Ted Danson when I was watching this because the first time I watched it I did not see him mm-hmm. and then I saw like a like a tall ass motherfucker and I was like that's probably Ted Danson right. and it was <laughs> and sure enough. Paul Giamatti um, is also in this movie yeah. mm-hmm. all these he, um, he doesn't parts. hide very well no yeah <laughs> Paul Giamatti <laughs> you're just like oh like there he is <laughs> yeah did you guys notice Matt Damon was in this <laughs> fuck off okay so um, he doesn't show up till the end you gotta kind of be watching out because he'll sneak up on you uh, yeah like dude motherfucker is, is, is king of cameos <laughs> like <laughs> he's, imagine this movie coming out in 2018 and like it wasn't uh, I would get mad <laughs> so I would truly brand. get mad if they had just hid that he was in it and then he shows up I would have gotten pissed like the, I was watching the whole, the whole like publicity cycle they're like so like who plays this Private Ryan character? And they're like, and they're oh, to watch like, it to find uh, out. You know, Nathan, it's more about Nathan Fillion. Like yeah, Nathan that's Fillion. What I mean, it's Nathan more about Fillion. the concept of Private Ryan than like who right. Private Ryan actually is. <laughs> yeah. And then he fucking shows up. I mean, like that is funny that he like started his career with that being his thing, like secretly being in movies until the end. No, pe- so people people this. knew he was yeah. in this because oh, okay. um, it came out the year after Goodwill Good Hunting. Hunting. Yeah. yeah, but Steven Spielberg cast him because he wanted like somebody that people didn't know that well. Then uh, Goodwill Hunting Good comes Will out Hunt. and wins an Oscar and all of that <laughs> shit. Yeah. Um. So, but yeah, well, I just so. Sorry, I won't interrupt you again. Go ahead. 
Um, it, it was crazy that like Matt Damon could be in a Marvel movie and have a real role and nope, he just plays a fake Loki yep. and then like he just he shows could. up in uh, uh, Unsane at the end. Fuck, that may have been a spoiler for Chad. It's, it's no, been out for I've, a while. I've seen Unsane. Oh, okay. okay. I can't remember what you've seen. On the podcast, I tried to talk about Matt Damon's cameo <laughs> and you screamed at me and you right. told me to delete it. Th- that's because it just came out. Yeah. <laughs> but now it's been six months. So yeah. sorry, fam. It's been Don't on Amazon his, for three months. His interstellar surprise appearance. Oh yeah, yeah. he was. Which also, was like sort of not because they announced him in the original cast list, but then just didn't talk about it ever uh-huh. again. And then he just shows up. I do get surprised by that every time. It's he, like being invited to your surprise party and then being uninvited to your <laughs> surprise party and being like, wait, wait, what's what? happening here? He was right. also in Deadpool too. He played when uh, yes he is yeah when Cable shows up and those two rednecks are sitting on the back of a truck he's one of them and like it's him and it's him and Alan Tudyk and then also Brad Pitt's in it. Um, Brad Pitt's cameo is very good though. That's the difference. I love Brad Pitt's cameo. There was no reason for Matt Damon to be in that role, which is what I kind of give him props for. I don't know. It's weird. (laughs) Um, So. so we were speaking of casting. They cast Matt Damon because they wanted someone unknown. A lot of the casting, they they Spielberg said, "I want people that look like they're from a newsreel, like they look like 1940s ass people." I think he does a pretty good job with that. I yeah. think so too. Other than Vin Diesel, who again right. exists in no era, but yeah, um, everyone he is else feels stripped out of time to me. I- I think Vin Diesel's great. I've seen lots of like army dudes who kind of have a Vin Diesel look about them. Mm-hmm. Not in the forties, though. I don't think if he was like a seal, then I would get that. Why um, would there be a seal in this movie, Mark? It's not an animated animal film. Well, seals live in the ocean, Cody, and half of the first half of the movie is in the ocean. That's true. I mean, Mark has the first a couple minutes are in the ocean. <laughs> All right. Well, so so the orders to find the Ryan, um, it, it, it those orders go to Captain Miller and his team, and we've kind of talked about some of his team. There's Horvath, who's kind of a second in command. There's Reben, uh, there's Caparzo, who's Vin Diesel. There's Mellish, who is Adam Goldberg, who has all, who we know from Days and Confused. Uh, yeah. Jackson, who is the sniper. Wade, who is Giovanni <coughs> Rabici, who we have seen twice. Yeah, three the times. Postman and uh, that thing, that you, thing do. you do. I forgot he was in the Postman. He just kind of disappears <laughs> into the background of movies sometimes. Yes, mm-hmm. he does. And then Upham, who is I don't know his real name, but he's Daniel Jeremy Faraday Davies. from Lost. Jeremy Davies. Jeremy that's Davies. Right. Uh, I know him from Lost. Yep. Hey, hey he's uh, not a bad actor, but he kind of has one speed, huh? Yep, kind of just plays absolutely. a nervous dude. He's just Daniel Faraday <laughs> every single time. <laughs> yep. This is that, Lost is an interesting show that every time I see a Lost actor. It doesn't matter who it is. Like Evangeline Lilly has had a great career post Lost. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's been in the Hobbit movies. She's in. Ant-Man she's and probably the Lost been now. the one who's done the best. Yeah, from it. but every single time I see any Lost actor, I'm like, oh, it's Kate from Lost. Oh, it's Jack. Oh, it's right. Sawyer. Like, um, no matter what. what. What is the movie? Oh, it's Mission Impossible Four. Yeah, that four. has that has he's, uh, he's in Sawyer. It. Yeah, he's yeah. at the very beginning. He's got like a show on USA or something he, right now. Yeah. Hey, where's the fucking lead of Lost? Like, where is Matthew Fox? <laughs> in Speed in Racer. Speed and Racer. It. And then disappeared. We seen a TV show before Lost as well. Uh, he, uh, Party of Five. Yeah, Party of Five. Yeah. Uh, he he was in Vantage Point, which is a movie that That's I think true. Mark and I love. I don't know Chad's it's, opinion. On it's it. okay. It's I mean it's not it's good, not but I love it. it <laughs> I like Vantage it, Point is 
the original 24 movie. Is it that was, correct? Well, yeah. it wasn't the original. They were going to make a 24 movie like after the fourth season, mm-hmm. and then they were like, nah. And so they just rewrote it. Um, they, they it feels it. like an episode of 24. Yeah. It's based on the same script, but yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. <laughs> Did you know Saving that, uh, that movie Die all? Hard 5 was originally going to be the 24 Die Hard crossover? Shut up. I'm they really thought that was going to happen? serious. Jack Bauer and John McClane were going to be like a buddy cop, but they kept running into issues in the script because they're both like... Because it the, would fucking suck? neither of them play by the rules, and like uh-huh. you have to have one guy that plays by the rules. Right. So they just didn't That sounds truly fucking terrible. Yeah. Like, so, in... It, in a world where we're getting like Sonic the Hedgehog and Detective <laughs> Pikachu and Tom and Jerry and they're all fucking live action, uh, like that sounds like a bad idea. <laughs> the yeah. rest of these are, I'm like, yeah, go for it. 24 well, Die Hard, that's, fuck off. That's why they didn't go for it. And they replaced the Jack Bauer character with John McClane's son, who was like a Justin CIA. Long. You know no, when no, no, I. No, 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 no. Th- oh. That was Die Hard 4. Which Die Hard is a better 4. movie. Die Hard Five is garbage. It's that is so. Who trash. is his son? It's, it uh, is the boy. It is the boy who is in a lot of stuff. Yeah, they really want to make I him should, a star. I should know his name, but I don't, and that, um, that's the problem. <laughs> is, is it is Jack it, O'Connell? No, because he's good. Sounds close. Um, it's um. It, he definitely has like popped up in like a lot good, of stuff. Jai Courtney. He that's was him. in Terminator Genesis. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's him. Um. <laughs> Jesus. Just a franchise killer. Just bland action star. Can I tell you movies Jai Courtney has been in? Oh my sure. God. Can I please tell you movies Jai Courtney <laughs> can has been in? you give me names and I'll tell you whether or not they're movies? Well, <laughs> no. Just, you re- just read off his filmography and I'll tell you whether or not that's an actual movie. You're going to know all of these movies that I read. Okay. Um, He was in Wet Hot American Summer, the, like, uh, the most recent season, and okay. he actually wasn't movie. bad in that. I forgot um, he was in that. Yep, he was. Okay, so this is what he's been in. Uh, so he was on the show Spartacus. That's where he started. Mm-hmm. Not a movie. Two in a row, not a movie. <laughs> Jack Reacher. Mm, a a Good movie. Day to Die Hard. Of course. I, Frankenstein. Not a movie. <laughs> Divergent. Un- Sadly a movie. Unbroken. Terminator Genesis, Insurgent, and then Suicide Squad. <laughs> <laughs> like what a fucking he track rack like, record, my dude. Like, if I'm making a movie, I don't cast him because then it's just like it, it feels like he carries the curse of like the movie will be bad. Right. Like I think he's probably a nice dude. He probably. was good in Wet Hot American Summer. Like he probably has chops. It's just he <laughs> makes shitty movies. I mean, so Terminator Genesis, a failed franchise, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um Die Hard is a franchise that is trying to find some life. Yeah. Um, Divergent literally never ended literally up being a franchise. Never finished. They had one more, and they were like, "Nah, we good." He's That's never been in anything so that I would insane. consider like a successful franchise. Yeah, I don't know if he's been in anything I would consider a successful film. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, because anyway. remember, Unbroken was supposed to win Oscars, and then they were like, right. "Nah, we're good." That is a real was franchise. That him though. and it's Unbroken. He's not the main dude. Oh, okay. I yeah. think the main dude is the Warhorse boy. I don't remember. It's wrong. a forgettable movie too. Like, <laughs> yep. You know, it's not uh, a forgettable <laughs> World War II movie. Saving Private Ryan. Ryan. So they start out on their journey. They reach a town where a squadron is being engaged by the enemy. Carpazzo attempts to save a little girl, despite Miller being like, "Hey, dude, we can't." Um, and then he gets <laughs> sniped. 
it's kind of like, what were you doing over there? Yeah, I mean, he was just out in the open. Yeah. Um, and then he. I like, think he got. I mean, a lot of the movie is about like these guys just missing home. Yeah. And mm-hmm. like that's just kind of driving them crazy. Mm-hmm. And he like he sees this girl that reminds me of reminds him of yes. his niece, and yeah. I think that's why he goes to save her. Yeah. Right. Um. Although, like, what are you gonna do with her? Well, so he says, take her to the next town over and then let her go. But you have to get to the next town. Right. And I hope there aren't Nazis there. Right. Um, So then Jackson shoots the sniper through the sniper scope, which is a pretty awesome thing. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it's possible, but it's pretty awesome. The Mythbusters did that, and I don't remember what they came up with. Well, I think, (laughs) great. I mean, I I imagine that it's just very difficult. Yeah. Yeah. They probably said it was plausible. Right. Um, good show, Mythbusters, right? Yeah, good it's a show. Real cop-out answer, plausible. I was always mad about that. Yeah, and it was like 90% of them were, yeah, it's plausible. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess. I Not- kind of wish Mythbusters was still on. Man, don't even get me started on I wish Mythbusters was still on. I we wish probably I hosted watch Mythbusters. My dream job as a kid was to be Jamie Heineman, not that Adam Savage. Doesn't Jamie Heineman. shock me like literally <laughs> any amount. Um, yeah, like mustache and all, like. The weird hat. Like, I, I was constantly trying to wear a beret and no one would let me. Th- thank you. Well, yeah. yeah. Thank God. That was a we saved service. <laughs> right. Um, so then they find Private Ryan. Like we said, it's actually Nathan Fillion. Mm-hmm. Um, this is where Ted Danson is in the movie. Right. And then Tom Hanks is like, I love Castle. What are you doing Go over here? <laughs> um, did you guys see Nathan Fillion's like on a new just yeah, ABC the, the rookie. like Blanchett? The, r- yeah, the rookie. Yeah. Yeah. There, there was something like an Instagram post or whatever from like ABC because I follow every Disney thing. And it was like, <laughs> you're not going to want to miss this one. And I screenshotted it and sent it to you guys and was like, except I do. Um, um, that's, a, that's a really interesting idea for a cop show where the cop is like a middle-aged white dude <laughs> is that the premise is he's so kind of older and he's starting the yeah, force yeah it's, it's like it's, he okay. he finds his calling late in life he's like in his 40s and he's like now i'm gonna be a cop and it is shocking that you guys have seen a teaser to know enough what it's about i have seen nothing but that one gotcha. image yeah well that's well, that's also, the thing is he's just late starting out being a cop Great. Well, uh, it's yeah, fucking easy if, to make a TV show, apparently. Why can't yeah, we do it? Like, I, I don't know <laughs> if you know the premise of um, Castle, but the ca- the premise of that is also like this guy who is a like a mystery book writer, is he's now a detective. Yeah, that's kind of a like good premise. Kind of the same. That's eh, a bit I mean, different. It's, it's, it's like, ugh. Yeah. It feels... Uh, mm. yeah. <laughs> I, I hate but cop anyways, shows. This, They're all the same thing. This scene I like a lot. It's like heartbreaking and then it's like kind of funny because of the misunderstanding they're just like oh fuck like i'm Um, sure your brothers are fine and he's like still still upset he's like well how can you be sure how do you know that my brothers are fine and And he's like well i don't but you're not the person i'm looking but they 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 find out that the (laughs) private ryan they're looking for is elsewhere he's defending Mm -hmm. a bridge um so on the way to the bridge miller decides that they should shut down a machine gun at a radar station they pass um not the best idea because the skirmish goes pretty bad. Wade, yeah. who is their medic, gets killed in mm-hmm. battle um, by Giovanni Rabici. Um, yeah, you do not want him to be killed. And he's kind of like given instructions on how to save him yeah. um, as like he's dying. But then like it, you can tell at one point he realizes like he's fucked. Um, it's a good scene. It sucks. It's sad. It's like mm-hmm. a lot of this movie. 
Um, but they eventually <coughs> prevail and they capture a German soldier. Um, thanks to Upham's urging, Miller lets the soldier go because they're like, yeah. well, we can't really take him with us and yeah, they all our c- people will capture him. They all kind of want to kill him, except Upham. He's fighting for his life. Right. Uh, we th- didn't mention, but Upham is like, he's... I mean, he's the translator. Yeah. No one really likes him because he's new to the crew. Mm-hmm. Right. He's he's very much like trying to be friends with everyone. He says he wants to write a book about like the bond of brotherhood. And he never fires his weapon. Like he has not fired his weapon yeah. this whole time. Right. Yeah, that was the thing starting out was like uh, he was asking Tom Hanks like, or uh, Captain Miller, like, are you sure you want me? Like I haven't fired my weapon since basic training and... Uh, uh, yeah, he just has not seen battle at all. He's not, like, equipped for it at all. Right. Um, so th- this pisses people off, especially Reben, who threatens to desert and gets all up in Horvath's face. It's a very, like, you know, tense mm. scene. To diffuse the tension, Miller finally reveals his backstory, which he had been coy about. The guys had a betting pool to see who could reveal it first. Um, and his backstory is he's just a high school teacher. Um, from middle America. And that's a bit like, it's a big reveal because it's not a big reveal. Um, this is the Ray's parents moment of this film. Um, (laughs) Right. The the whole thing they had been like teasing out this, uh, like who is this mysterious captain guy? And he's just a guy. They're all just guys. Right. Like that's Um, the idea. Um, also in the sequence, we have like this scene where Miller just, it's after, uh, Wade has died. And he just like is over by himself, and he just like it's the one time we say, really see him like break down and just cry. It's like the weight of the whole war and everything he's gone through is just like culminated to this point, and he just lets himself like feel it. And uh, yeah, yeah, and it, it's pretty clear that he feels like the weight of each one of his men's death mm-hmm. on his shoulders, and like yeah. at this point, that's like. I think three three guys that he was directly in charge of have gotten killed. And yeah. I mean, this one is kind of because of his decision. A yeah. lot of them didn't want to do this, you know, go on the kill the machine gun mission. Yeah. Um, earlier in the movie, it was um, it was in the church when they had like uh, bunkered down after they ran into, uh, I think, uh, Paul Giovanni. Um, yeah. But they... Uh, uh, he was talking about he had lost exactly 94 men under his watch and like uh, he, the the way he has to like s- see that is like for every man he loses it's got to be like 10 or 20 men that he's like saved through like their sacrifice that they've made and so it's just this thing he's doing to like keep himself sane but like clearly it's not working because war is just a horrid horrible thing that just like tears away at you hey I have a question yeah. why aren't wars finished by the assholes who started them <laughs> a la the postman with like a, a wrestling the match in the mud i mean hey yeah. if like trump and kim jong-un wanted to like wrestle in the mud for like yeah that actually i don't know i don't know if trump i don't know i don't know who would win i don't know we need to maybe get we, into that one <laughs> yeah maybe not that sounds kind of kind of hot it actually. does sound yeah. pretty but then hot, we TV. just vote for the rock like that's just what how we'd handle that. <laughs> yeah, true. It's like who can who, whose dad can beat up their dad? Oh, um, uh, that would be a better system. This would is it? Strong boy president makes all the rules and fights people. I don't know. Okay, so yeah. they get to the bridge and they find Ryan, who is Matt Damon. Um, but instead of coming back with him, he's real stubborn and says his duty is to protect the bridge. And so they're kind of like, says, "Well, fuck." 
he says, I'm going to stay here with the only brothers I've got left. Yeah. Which, and, like, I, I could just see someone scribbling down in the background, like, band of brothers. <laughs> and then just underlining it real big. And, right. Uh, I think it's Reben is the character who um, is just sort of, like, I think he calls Matt Damon an asshole and says, like, you know how many of, we've already had two of our guys die for you. Right. And, uh, yeah, Matt Damon, like, or <laughs> Private Ryan, like, learns their names and it seems like it really takes it to heart, but he's he's yeah. not abandoning his post. Right. Um, and he's like, I've got orders to stay here. And it's like, well, you've got new orders? And, yeah. like, I don't know, the way it works is your new ones, like, overturned so, your old ones. So back. how do you read this scene? Like, is he being an asshole or is he being a noble uh, dude? I think he's being a bit of an asshole. I think he's being a dumb, naive kid a bit. Yeah. Um, I, th- I also think he's being noble at the same time, though. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I think he is. He has noble intentions, but he's being a dumb kid and not really thinking about the implication. Yeah. I mean... Um, and it's a bit of a savior complex too, where he's like, "Oh, me staying here, my my, you know, fellow um, soldiers need me here in case mm-hmm. the army or in case um, you know the enemy shows up," which is a pretty like narcissistic view of it, because it's like, yeah. "You're one dude. Is it really going to make that much of a difference?" I think he also doesn't want to like, to some extent, if he had stayed there. And, you know, their mission hadn't been finished, then he would have the, that guilt on his shoulders. Yeah. And I'm, I am I guess it's it's very much about, like, he doesn't feel like he deserves to be the one to go. He says, like, it could have been any of these guys. Like, they fought just as hard as me. They're, yeah. Like, why can't they go home? Um, yeah. Which I is, mean, like, something, it, like, the whole movie is kind of struggling with. Like, Captain Miller's crew is struggling with, like... Why are we sacrificing all our men and our talent for one guy? Mm. Yeah, I think I think that like of the um, selfish things to do, mm-hmm. I think sending people to save him is more selfish than him wanting to stay in some way. Well, because it was a PR yeah. move. Yeah, yeah, it, it, yeah, it's a it's a PR move. Mm-hmm. I mean, a, a noble PR move to yeah. some extent, I and mean, like it. The the way it's discussed isn't like it doesn't seem like a PR move. It seems like the the chief of the army or whatever actually like feels led to do this because mm-hmm. he thinks it's it's the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um but it's also kind of like dumb tactically. Right. Yeah. It doesn't make a lot of sense to put this much manpower for one guy, but like I mean, from the perspective of the mother, it's like, it's her everything. It's all she has left. So it's like, right. yeah. Um. So they, Miller and his men decide that they're going to stay and fight because their mission is to save Private Ryan. So they, they're going to stay until this is over. Um. They get to prep work. They mm-hmm. make sticky bombs. They get in a perfect position, et cetera, et cetera. Um, um, so go ahead. I think this is my favorite part of the movie is everything before the final battle. Like you've got, uh, Daniel Faraday up him. Uh, he's, uh, like finally bonding with the other guys. They're just listening to French music and they're just like joking off. Uh, Private Ryan tells Captain Miller this story from his childhood, or just the the day before he was enlisted. Um, his childhood being like six months ago. Yeah, yeah. But he's telling the story just like his last memory with his brothers, and uh, 
And it's just like, yeah, I don't know. You see the humanity in all these characters and just how that they are all just guys and no one's like, yeah, no one in this movie seems to be like an elevated action hero, which you tend to get in a lot of war movies. They're all just like regular dudes in the middle of like a terrible situation. I think, I think part of that is because like modern wars are all like voluntary service. Yeah. Where like people who are fighting want to be fighting to some extent. Right. And this is, you know, people were drafted. You didn't like, everyone was fighting in this war mm. um i which also think that the, to think about which is crazy i mean like there are so many people dead because of this war um but i i think another part of it is that um i mean this movie is glamorizing soldiers more than most movies mm. i mean not in like a oh. um destructive or like Neg- er, it, it definitely makes you appreciate way, them very much, yeah. uh, but it yeah, yeah, absolutely doesn't make you want to be a soldier. No, yes, but I, yeah, I, yeah, but it, it it isn't like I mean, um, a lot of modern war movies are kind of asking what does it take to be a soldier, and like American Sniper is kind of yeah. like it's kind of deconstructing the idea of what it takes to be a soldier, and so is like. Um, uh, Hurt Locker. The, mm-hmm. Her, thank you. Hurt Locker is kind of doing the same thing of like being in war kind of breaks a person that takes a special kind mm-hmm. of person to thrive in that environment. I really need to see American Sniper. I hear it's different than the movie that like you think it is, is the only thing I've heard about it. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I think, yes, to a degree it glamorizes it, but I think a lot of movies do. So like, yeah, I don't no, know if absolutely. it does it more than most, yeah. but yeah, it, I don't know. It, um, you don't want to be there. But um, the, the one thing about this movie, too, is just, like, it's absolutely not afraid to just, like, show the grown men crying. Just that war yeah. is just, like, breaking them down to just, they're like, I want to go home. Like, I want to see my mom. Like, just... I think... Like, I think one of my favorite examples of that is, like, when they first get to the base after D-Day. Mm-hmm. Like, one of them, like, they're mid-conversation and he just breaks down crying. I like, think I've he the adrenaline is finally over and he can right. kind of just like let go of it. I yeah. think I've read something or heard somebody say something. Who knows where? But they were saying basically like war movies do the same thing for dads that like romance, like Nicholas Sparks things do to do for moms. <laughs> like it's a way for guys to cry but still feel masculine. Interesting. Um, which is like not in. Accurate, <laughs> like yeah. I mean, it is very much like, oh no, I can cry because like of the brotherhood and all of that kind of stuff, right? Um, and there's nothing wrong with that. It's just kind of interesting to think about um, that this is where like this is a movie where mm-hmm. dads cry. Um, yeah. So the 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 battle is huge. Um, it kills most of Miller's men. Horvath, Jackson, Mellish all die. Um, it's chaos. <laughs> there's a lot going on. Um, Miller gets shot by the German soldier who he had let go earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I didn't realize it was that guy. Yeah. yeah Adam which, Goldberg gets stabbed by him too. Yeah. Which I didn't like realize a hundred percent. And then like, you know, reading through plot summary and then like rewatching it this time. I was like, ah, 
Got it. Um, which is why Upham, who had previously been immobilized by fear, he finally gets jolted into action, mm-hmm. and he captures the German soldiers who are right there, but he kills the guy who kills Miller. Like, they okay. all surrender, and he shoots yeah. that guy because mm-hmm. it's the guy they had let go earlier. This, gotcha. literally this one, like, beat in the movie is the one thing that I think that brought it down from five stars to four and a half. It's an odd Cause beat because it, it's kind of telling you the moral is, like, you shouldn't like your enemy. Like, yeah, I don't know. Like, it, so I don't know what the, it's trying the, to say. The, his whole character up him had been like, it's not right to kill him. He's a prisoner of war. Da da da. And then, like his triumphant moment in the end, and like it's shot triumphantly. The music swells. Like it's really bright, uh, and gives him like the hero shot. Is when he has him like he's holding his hands up, surrendering, and he shoots him dead. It's just like a really, it feels like completely off from everything else the movie is sort of telling you about war. Um, Yeah. It's a weird beat. It feels like the movie in, in this beat is saying like the rules that you would normally live by, like mercy and like, um, you know, the rules of war aren't always the best rules because not everyone's playing by them but that's not what the rest of the movie is saying really at all yeah yeah i i just i don't know i i kind of don't think spielberg's saying war is bad or even war like he's i think he's saying there's like shitty things that happen Mm -hmm. but but i don't think he's doing the angle that a lot of war movies have done which is like War is super bad. We shouldn't do it. Like that sort of thing. I don't know if that's the angle that's taken. I don't think so. Yeah, I don't think so either. I don't know if it's that it's like, if the angle is that it's a necessary evil or... I think that's that's what he's saying. He's definitely saying that it's evil and that it destroys the people that are involved. That just seems to be clear. Like, Captain Miller says like he's not sure if his wife will recognize him when he gets home because of all the things he's had to do. Um... He doesn't know how he's going to like even relate these things to her, like because of the just the evils he's gone through. Um, but yeah, at the I, same I, time, I, it's like we are supposed to be like with these characters, just like appreciative of like the sacrifice that they made, that they did go through these things, like mm-hmm. for America. Um, but no, I, it's, I think that that's that's one thing that separates like a World War II movie from like a Vietnam movie or even like a mm-hmm. um, Gulf War or whatever you want to call modern war movies is that like the the World War II was like very clearly this had to be done or else the fate of the world would be completely different. Right. And especially like not only is the Holocaust happening, but also they had taken over all of Europe. Like they had taken over France which is, you know, like the idea of France not being a country to me is insane. Um, Just because like France has always been a country and I would think that it always will be a country. But like at this point, France was Germany and that was the way it was going to be. So like this was World War Two is easily like one of the most defensible wars to take place. Yeah. Um, Whereas like Vietnam, it's, you know, is it a necessary evil or is it just an evil that we did because we thought it was necessary? Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Which is the, the, the difference in tone um, with the movies that like handle it. Um, like you were saying. 
Um, so before he dies, though, Miller tells Ryan to earn it because so many people died to save him. Um, we cut back to the present, and the veteran who we saw earlier turns out he's Ryan, and the grave is what? Miller's. Mm-hmm. Ryan asks if he has been worthy, which we literally have no idea if he has been or not, but well, then the movie ends. He's got his family, and his, we're assuming, wife like tells him like maybe he cheated on his wife good. we don't know we have no idea what happens <laughs> sure but like I, the important thing in the scene is just that he's just carried this like guilt with him in this like pressure to earn their sacrifice which he obviously could never do he could never like earn another person's like life who died for him yeah uh it's kind of like a really sad messed up way to end the movie is like this thing Miller asks him like earn this is like impossible pressure it's gonna it's gonna drive him crazy the rest of his life like no matter what you could never have like lived a life where he's like yeah that did it and to, to some extent like I mean his his wife is like oh who's this and like part of me is like what's the most important person to ever be in this guy's life mm-hmm. how could you not tell your wife about it but also like um I would never want to talk about that right because like that's where like that that's where you're given like the most the most pressure to be a good person and also like I don't know there's a lot of guilt associated with that I imagine yeah um, for me, this is, this just is kind of like, I love Spielberg, obviously, but he mm-hmm. sometimes has some bad tendencies, and one of those tendencies is to not fucking end things. <laughs> things like he has nine endings to things, and th- that's kind of what this feels like to me. It always it also feels a bit like overly sentimental and a bit overly like grabbing at heartstrings, which is what people say when they complain about Spielberg. And normally I'm like, nah, fuck off. It's fine. (laughs) But like this one, for whatever reason, I'm like this ending, I don't need it. It's just this. I mean, it's a, it's a, like there's a chocolate sundae and it's piled with uh, whipped cream and there's already a cherry on top, but Stevie wants to give you two cherries. And it's like, I just don't know. I don't, I don't I actually kind of like this ending. So does Chad. So does Chad. But I I just don't at all. I mean, to be perfectly honest on this rewatch, this was the one scene that like destroyed me. Um, Like it just seeing it like this, I don't even know who this man is, but this actor who played the older private Ryan, he, really sold this like idea of like this guilt that he's felt his entire life. Like the things he says to Miller and then just like desperately asking his wife, like, have I been a good person? Have I lived a good life? And for her, it's obvious, but to him, it's like, he still doesn't feel like it was enough for the sacrifice that was made. It was, yeah. it's a really moving scene for me. And I think it works really well. I also think it bothers me is because I feel like there's a bit of a cheap trick that Spielberg pulls where you can claim that he wasn't trying to make you think it was Miller in the beginning, but like you can't claim that he was, there are people who do and they're like, well, actually, you know, it doesn't cut straight to Miller's eyes. It just cuts to the beach. And it's like, but at the end of that scene, it does the exact same zoom to his eyes. Absolutely. And 
that yeah. bothers me immensely. Like, uh, it's like, why do you need that added like twist element? Like, why? Yeah, the twist and element's it, dumb, but the scene and it 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 also me. bothers me in a similar to Titanic way. But Titanic had less of it because you know Rose was in the movie more. <laughs> right. But like, you when you see a character and it zooms into their eye, ostensibly mm-hmm. what it communicates to you through like our accepted <laughs> language of film yeah. is that this is this person's perspective. Yeah, this is their story. Hey, it's not. Yeah, <laughs> like well, it, there's no way he knows about like seventy five percent of the that, things that happen. That is fair, it. but it is his story. I think. Is it? Because it's not really. It's Miller's story. It's it's all of their stories in a way, but it's the story about the sacrifice that had to be made for Ryan. Sure. Yeah. Like, I, like I imagine when when Ryan was like, what was the name of the guys that died? I imagine he heard the story leading up to this. Maybe, maybe. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't claim he's the protagonist, but like, no, there's no. not a whole lot that I'm surprised. Well, I mean, clearly they didn't have time to tell him the full details of everything that happened. But right. no, but um, he, he knows their I, names. I, I, I don't. I don't want to hate that. Yeah, uh, I do. The twist but is kind of dumb. Like if because yeah. it does feel like Spielberg is trying to like trick you into thinking that it's Miller, which is dumb. Right, but, it's like you could have still had an emotional connection in that scene without it. Yeah, you could just um, have the man visiting the grave, and then honestly, you could know that that's Captain Miller's grave at the beginning yeah. of the movie, and that would be fine with me. Uh, it still works for me. I mean, you could also not show it and that be the big thing, as like you didn't know he was there for Miller. Like, that's fine, but just trying mm-hmm. to make you think it is Miller just. I, it kind of sucks. Um, and it's also for me, like you said, you had a big emotional reaction to that scene at the mm-hmm. end. I didn't, and I'm normally the crybaby. I don't know if it's because at that point, like, I don't know. I was too tired because too it had gone on for so the, long. It's a three-hour yeah. movie just full of, like, really emotional, heavy, heavy things that, like, yeah, right. it's a, maybe you're just done at the a, end of it. Yeah. It's a bit long, and I think it's time for a regular segment. It is. I Like, it, it, it wasn't originally meant to be a regular segment, meaning we do it every fucking episode, but it seems to just be based on how much we uh, pick long movies. It will be forever. So this movie was kind of hard to do cuts on, honestly, um, because... Cody, what is it time for? You still haven't said. Oh, it's time for Cody's cuts. Um, oh this is a segment God. where I cut things to make the movie shorter. Remember, it does not make the movies better. It just makes them shorter. Um, this shorter makes it better. <laughs> yes, inherently makes it better. Um, so therefore, it, it does make it better. I've been watching a lot of like disney animated movies recently and like especially like the old school ones and those fuckers clock in at like 70 minutes and i'm just like (laughs) sweet lord this is amazing i mean yeah you've been watching the direct to dvd stuff oh also that those Um, are real those are like 60 minutes right stitch the movie was 62 minutes and i was in fucking hog heaven (laughs) um but like bad movie though right no it's fine it's really not that bad 
Because um, you only have to watch 60 minutes of it. Yeah, like anything's <laughs> fine for 60 minutes. The <laughs> amount of like TV shows that I've watched eight episodes of and fucking hated, you know, like, I don't know. Um, but like Winnie the Pooh was a theatrical release in 2011 and it was only like 65 minutes and that movie rules school. So, But what would you so, cut from this movie? So what would I cut from this movie? So truly the whole time I, I like pay attention and I'm like, I have to cut this shit because that is my job that is my role i am established in that now it is truly so hard to do for this movie because it's a quest movie which really fucking makes me worried when i have to cut down the lord of the rings movies (laughs) but because it's a quest movie like you can't cut scenes because every scene is like oh now we have to go here etc etc but i found a couple things i don't know if this will get us to the direct the exact time that we need to but we're trying to get it down to what under two and a half hours under two and a half so this won't do it but here's the only cuts i could find the opening credits take too long Uh, they do they just zoom in we don't need the flag waving in the wind well the flag waving Mm -hmm. in the wind's fine i'm talking about even before then it's just a black screen and it Mm -hmm. takes like so you know when you like edit things in um premiere and you can do i don't when you can do the like fade the fade in um effect yeah no um and it's like they took the fade in effect and like stretched it for like 12 seconds (laughs) like it just like takes so long like saving private ryan takes 25 seconds to appear on screen means nothing to me it just so so you're saying that like it's like the star wars crawl but slower and less words yeah (laughs) it's three Um, words which like you can read real fast Um, so cut down that 25 second thing to like okay. five seconds. We're making some progress. Okay. Hey, Mark, I don't need your, I don't need your bean countered today Look, because I've, we're not going to make it. I've already told you we're not going to make got, it. I've got some pictures when you're done. I've got some, okay. some cuts of my own. Okay, good. Cause we'll need it for this one. Um, I got some, some markups. Yeah, that's good. Um, I would cut the bookends. I know you boys love them, but if there's anything that could go in this movie, it mm, is those. I mainly love the final, the last one. The first one doesn't really do anything to set the stage for me in any interesting Mm -hmm. way. I think the movie could work without both of them just fine, though. Um, And then there's a part where Adam Goldberg's, like, walking through a field singing. (laughs) I'd cut that. It didn't feel (laughs) necessary. It it just, that moment truly felt like Spielberg was, like, you know, there's always a scene in these war movies where somebody just sings a song, <laughs> and so I need to put one in. I was like, I don't fucking I need don't this. I don't know if it's necessarily true. Uh, dude, I think it is. Like, okay, give me, give me one more. Okay, so it's not in Dunkirk, obviously, but I think it happens okay. in Apocalypse Now. Yeah, why does it... Harry Styles not sing in Dunkirk? Good question. Right? Why is Harry Styles not in a movie this year? Um... He was good. Anyway, I want him to be in more roles. He should be uh, in the Nutcracker in the Four Realms. Everybody Josh should Gad be in too. that film. Josh Gad's not in Nutcracker in the Four Realms, you fucker. I'm saying he should be. <laughs> it's Jack Whitehall. He's the new Disney boy. Because um, <laughs> he's also going to be in Jungle Cruise. Wait, um, Josh Gad is done? No, Josh Gad's coming back for Frozen 2 and Artemis Fell. So <laughs> we're keeping Josh Gad around. Okay. Um, he's, on, he's on retainer. He's on retainer. <laughs> um... I sort of think Disney has a model of keeping people on retainer because like Emily Blunt is in Mary Poppins this year and is also going to be in Jungle Cruise. And like, I don't know. People like working for Disney. So it's time for my cuts. Anyway, I'm confused. Um, it happens in apocalypse. Now I think it happens in that other war movie, the hunger games, Mm, full metal jacket. 
It does happen in Hunger Games. Chat's right about movie. that. Not a war movie. Uh, there's wars in it. Uh, uh, so same with Star Wars. Yep. Uh, there, yep. There's people who sing in Star Wars. Mark, <laughs> I feel like you're adding to my point. Um, <laughs> Are you talking about the Jazz Club? It's a really, really good version of that. Is it time for my cuts yet? Because I have a really good cut. It's time for your markups. Yes. How'd you mark um, it up? You just cut out the Oppen storyline, the whole character. Really? Yeah. Interesting. No, if, if, if you if you cut out him, and you at the same time you could cut out the um, guy that they think about killing the POW, and that's like an hour right there. Well, I so I didn't write this one down because I went back and forth on it, but I do kind of think you could cut out the whole Brian Cranston section of this. Like yeah. you could just kind of have yep. them get the orders. Yeah, I mean, every time I see that scene, it feels so out of place. Yeah, it it's does. just like it's like hard cut to Which people like, in an office, it, and I'm like, what is this? The post? It is a good like slow down for like you've just had the intense. Uh, invasion scene. Which is why and, it's in there. And then, yeah, you get yeah. to decompress with just like the but, secretaries finding the, the all the names, uh, all the Ryans and uh, reporting mm-hmm. it. Um, when, when it when it cuts from the D-Day scene to that scene, I'm like, oh, is this, is it going to be like half movie in France and half of the movie in this yeah. office? Which like, is no, not. Just like five minutes yeah. hanging out. Yeah, Brian so Cranston's you, here. You could lose that. Yep. Um, but it's also um, like uh, plot important. Yeah, it gives but the motivation yeah. for the thing you can you can repurpose like another scene later, like the scene where he goes and talks to Upham for the first time. He could have just gotten his orders and basically gotten the rundown in more you efficient can, time. You could also have that conversation happen at the base camp where where they are. That's what he was saying. You don't um, you, you don't have to go back to America to do that. Yeah. yeah. Is it time for Chad's chops? Yeah, Chad's yeah, chops. Okay, fine. Uh, so I probably wouldn't cut the whole Upham storyline, but I, the only, the only thing I would really cut is the, uh, the hero shot that he gets at the end. Yeah. Mm. This, the, the, the triumphant moment of killing a person with his hands up feels a little, uh, incorrect. Bad? (laughs) Bad. Um, but, and that's the only time I feel like this movie like delves into any kind of like toxic, like praising of war. It's like, oh, see war and killing people is good is the message here. And it does not seem to be the messaging in the rest of the movie. So it's really weird for me. But mm-hmm. now as far as like the Cody cut stuff goes, like everything else in the movie feels like it belongs to me. Uh, yeah. So I know that it doesn't make the movie better. It just makes it shorter is your, your slogan. Yep. But that is I wouldn't slogan. change a thing except for that one one part. Right. Um, maybe watch it on 1.5 speed. Um, so how would we <laughs> compare it to uh, other World War II movies? I haven't really seen a lot of World War II movies other seen, than Dunkirk. Yeah. Uh, Dunkirk and then uh, <laughs> Dunkirk 2 with uh, Gary Oldman. <laughs> oh, uh, Darkest Hour. That's yeah. barely a war movie. <laughs> yeah, barely. Um yeah, I mean, and so war movies in general, they are not my cup of tea at all. Um, before Dunkirk, this was the one that I could deal with. And now that Dunkirk yeah. exists, it's kind of that one. Um, do you guys like war movies as a rule? You know, uh, Not as a rule. I mean, I, I think they're fine war movies. and I think they're bad ones. But um, I, 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 my, I like the Hurt Locker a lot. Uh, Hurt Locker is actually super good. Yeah. So, yeah. I do like that I, one. I tend to like war movies that are a little bit more like questioning why war is a thing. Mm-hmm. 
Um, Do we count Zero Dark Thirty as a war movie? That's yeah, a weird one so. to classify. It's kind of yeah. a thriller. Well, we're in a weird war right now. Yeah, there aren't okay. really battles per se. Yeah, yeah. And, okay, and fair enough. You have that whole sequence at the end, the like the hunt down. So yeah, yeah. it's it's just kind of more like I associate war movies with soldiers, which is why like Hurt Locker right. definitely is a war movie. Yeah, and that's not really who Zero Dark Thirty mm-hmm. is about. Like we see that scene, but it's more about the yeah. Jessica Chastain character who is yeah. Imagine so if, it, if it was more like uh, about the soldiers and Chris Pratt I, was the star of Zero Dark Thirty. I would not like it. Like I, I yeah, like very the, different movie. It's a better like, movie the way it is. I like the Jessica Chastain mm-hmm. stuff. I love political movies. I don't mm-hmm. know that I love war movies. Um, anyway, so Star wh- Wars. I really like that. I, that's the one war I do like, and yeah. the, the Lord of the Rings. Yeah, those the are war, war for movies. The ring. Yeah. Um. So. How how do we feel like this movie compares to other Spielberg movies we've seen? We've seen him delve into this era, but a mm-hmm. much different topic and like yeah yeah um much is different. Is that a war movie? No, no, Schindler's it's just set during a war. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's um, a Holocaust movie. It's not a war movie. Um, I mean, I like this better than Schindler's List because it is more enjoyable to watch. I do think I like and this better than Schindler's List. I do not like it better fast, than Jurassic faster Park. Faster pacing. I think it's a. I mean, it's very different from Jurassic Park. It is hard to compare. I, to. Um, I think I, this is probably my favorite Spielberg we've talked about so far. I would interest. I would say so overall. too. But like, if you were like, do you want to watch Jurassic Park or Saving Private Ryan? I'd probably say Jurassic Park because yeah, like. Same. Yeah, it's fun. Um, yeah, it's fun. Well, and okay, it doesn't so make me sad. Also, it takes like half the time. Yeah, let's talk about it here because I don't think another one of us is gonna pick Spielberg again. Mm-hmm. I think this is the last Spielberg we talk about, which is kind of weird to think about. It is weird. Um, I I mean, if I can find a way to trick you guys into letting me talk about Tintin, but also talking about <laughs> something else, um, let uh, me. Eventually, we'll run out of movies. I mean, we'll just have to do something. Well, oh nope, Super Eight comes out the same year as um, Tintin, so which is basically a Spielberg movie. It is um okay so yeah we're not talking about a spielberg movie again on the show as far as i can tell we're gonna be talking about ready player one come 2018 <laughs> nope right? um so what what is everyone's favorite spielberg film oh gosh that's a good question you said this one wasn't it so yeah that's i mean why. just off the top of my head i think i liked i think i liked the post more than i like this movie i think i like really indiana jones raiders of the lost ark more than i like this movie yeah same these. Um, um, but I don't know what's my favorite. Maybe Raiders. I, I don't know. <laughs> I'd say it's it's this or Jaws or Jurassic Park are my favorite. Interesting. I I mean ET is my number is one. E. Yeah, yeah. It's ET. Then probably Raiders. Then probably Jurassic Park. Then Tintin probably. Um, and then I think like my top of his like more serious ones probably. I mean it's either the post or bridge of spies. Um mm-hmm. so like so like I don't know that this would make my top ten Spielberg movies, honestly. Um it definitely makes my top ten. It's, it's hard to think about five, doing it in probably. the moment. Yeah. Do what? Does it make your top ten ten? <laughs> Aha. We arrived. Um, we're now Best Pictures Podcast. Yeah, we're back. But see, <laughs> then there's AI and War of the Worlds, which I really like, and Minority Report. I just War am the not Worlds the biggest. Is like an underrated. 
hit. It it kind of is very good. It rules. Um, so there's so many for me, and I just am not a war movie person. So like that's why this one falls lower. I understand yep. how well made it is. I do agree with Mark's assessment that based on the things that were nominated for 98, the fact this didn't win is fucking insane. It won best director. It didn't win best actor. I which is kind of wild. I feel like just with my brain like not really thinking about it. Just like I operate under the idea that this one best picture. In my it head. feels like Honestly, a best picture winner. Same. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but there's a little monster troll who was waltzing around in the nineties. His uh, name was William Shakespeare. Nope. His, <laughs> nope. His name was Harvey Weinstein. Um, right. And oh. <laughs> Shakespeare in love is kind of the crowning achievement people point to when they talk about Weinstein's power in the 90s of like throwing all of his weight and power behind that movie and getting it a best picture win despite like saving private Ryan being like saving private Ryan made a fuck ton more money it was more like just successful overall and then Shakespeare in Love won we'll talk about that movie when we get to it it's the only Oscar movie left that I haven't seen um, so I really can't speak to it but that is what's known about that movie is Weinstein is kind of why that one happened great great yep Um, so yeah Spielberg is a good director though like the thing is like his top 25 like if I did his top 25 they're better than a lot of people's you know top 10 top 5 movies Um, yeah he's, he's a solid filmmaker mm-hmm. i wish he's uh, ready player good. one wasn't the movie um but <laughs> i want to see him make another movie in that vein um what i of like then uh, the ready player one vein uh, just like, like another a, another blockbuster another big blockbuster that yeah. is super good and does super well because he's got west side story next which mm-hmm. insane um and then it's indiana jones five so i hope right. that one's well, good indy five is kind of fulfills that uh if it's good you're right if it's good <laughs> um saying that as somebody who likes four more than most people like i'm still a bit unsure about five four four is a personal thing for me i yeah i know um, it's a personal attack that steven spielberg made against me no it's not spielberg had nothing to do with it um uh, Bor- georgie porgy <laughs> georgie porgy so i don't, don't know. say that name he'll show up again we don't want that <laughs> we've only said it twice don't say it a third okay. time so so this movie is very good do you get, do you boys have anything else to say about it uh, other than so far it's the best movie of 1998 no. Yeah. See, I would yeah, I think, cut, that's, think that's unanimous. I think I agree. So let's wrap it on up. Mark, where can people find you on the internet? You can find me on Twitter at Mark0014 on Letterbox. Sorry, that was backwards. Letterbox is Mark0014. Twitter is Wellington Mark. Um, that's where I'm on Instagram as well. Um, don't expect much from Instagram. Um, if you want to follow someone who has their shit in order, you can follow me at Chad A. Oliver on all social media platforms, including Twitter, Instagram, Letterboxd. Also, if you want to follow this webcomic that Cody and I write that uh, our friend Chris Adams uh, illustrates, uh, you can follow that on Instagram at Animal High School Comics. And uh, is it comics or comic? I forgot. I don't know. Wow. It's, com- it's comic. <laughs> no double S. wow. So it's Animal High School comic. We have uh, three issues out now, and we'll be 
posting them up there pretty regularly. Yep. Um, the goal is one a month. We will see. We will uh, see. <laughs> we will see. Um, you can, uh, if you want to follow me on Twitter, I've developed a magical power recently of whining about something not existing and then it being announced two days later. <laughs> so follow me. Scooby Doo movie and then uh, Warner Brothers cartoons are being right. The, the so. Looney Tunes coming back. Yeah. Um, maybe I should. Uh, <laughs> I was about to make a dark joke that uh, our listeners want to get. So skipping that. Um, <laughs> you, if you want to uh, see that, uh, see my good tweets. You can follow me at Cody Lunsford underscore. Um, you can follow me on Letterboxd by searching my name. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram um, at Cody Lunsford underscore, or you can follow my my uh, film stuff. <laughs> It's like a Finsta, but for film. Nope. Um, nope. At Five Star Films. Uh, nope, at Five Star Stills, um, where I post pictures from movies and then give them a rating. Uh, I think the last movie I did was... I don't even remember what the last movie I watched was, but I don't know. I gave something a rating on there. It was probably Bad Times at the El Royale, which I put a picture which, uh, of. Hey, good movie. It's a it's a it's a good film. Um, I think right, that's right. It. Sorry, I accidentally called it a movie. It's it's a film. Um, actually, Ooh. the last thing I posted was what women want. So <laughs> never. How, mind. Ma- how many stars on that one? Uh, two. Um, so you should follow the show at We Pick Picks W E P I C K P I C S and join us on Facebook. Um, in the Best Pictures Facebook group. Um, get it happening in there. Chad's gonna share his to like collapse <laughs> compilation video in there. <laughs> Please set a reminder to do that. All right. Um. <laughs> and I think that's it. Mark, what's the best movie of 1998? Saving Private Ryan, Chad, best movie, 1998, go. Boy, on the spot, I'd... Saving Private Ryan? Yes. Okay. That's fair. Uh, Cody, Good same thing. question to you. Uh, as of now, it's Saving Private Ryan. Thanks, everybody, for listening. And remember, fuck Hitler. Um, next episode, we are watching The Truman Show. Uh, very conveniently for everybody, it's available to stream on Netflix.